So yeah, when you're asked to speak on parenting as a general thing, that's a hard topic, right? So you're getting parenting in 30 minutes, which has taken us all 28 years and counting in here, right? Like it never ends. Um, I titled this Faithful Parenting. It's good to be here. I love this ministry. I've loved it from the start. I've enjoyed being a part of it over the years. You are so blessed and have a wealth of wisdom in this room, and I hope you take advantage of all these ladies. Everyone has different parts of Jesus, right? I love how Chris says that. Take advantage of your moms. Ask them everything you want to know. Ask them specific questions. I'm a question asker, obviously. I didn't know if she was going to say that. Ask a lot of questions. <clears throat> all right. As moms, it's our responsibility to teach our children about God and how he expects us to live. And I wrote this because I'm a talker and I will go off. So I will look at you as I read. Um, I'm not here because we did this perfect. We made a lot of mistakes. My kids are not perfect, although those two babies over there that are born, those grandbabies coming will, well, no, they won't be perfect. We did not have perfect children. We dealt with many things, but I have seen the benefits of faithful parenting and training. And I hope you can learn something from this today, even if you walk away with one thing. Proverbs 22:15 starts out, first half of the verse. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Every child comes into this world with an insatiable capacity for evil. Even before birth, the human heart is already programmed for sin and selfishness. We are so depraved that given free reign, every baby has the potential to become a wicked, savage little beast, to quote my husband. We never know a lot when it comes to our newborns, right? We don't know what they're going to look like when they get older. We don't really know what their personality is going to be. Are they going to be witty? Are they going to be more serious? Are they going to be social or you know, need to go hide to get some energy? But we know one thing for certain, they will have a corrupt and sinful heart that will need shaping and molding. The goal of your parenting is to be a faithful steward and bring them up according to biblical principles. Okay, this is funny. As the Lord has it, about two weeks ago, I said, Robert, I need an outline. I want to talk about parenting. He goes, that's easy. Do Ephesians 6. So I'm like, oh yeah, because we do this a lot, like, and we've done classes and stuff, and so I did Ephesians 6. Then Chris asked him to speak in church. And I said, you don't have time to prepare a message in two weeks. He goes, okay, okay. I said, say no. He goes, okay. He comes back, he goes, I said, yes. I said, we're going to be gone. He goes, no, no, I'm going to do the parenting message on Ephesians 6. And I was like, you told me to do Ephesians 6. So when you hear him in two weeks from tomorrow, you tell him he stole my stuff. And he will be different because I'm going to be a lot more practical, but... He is a stinker, and he just laughs and thinks it's so funny, and it's really not very funny, but... All right, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, mothers too, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parenting must be intentional. You need a plan or you will be overwhelmed. The following are good principles from scripture in an easy to understand format that will help you have consistency in your parenting. You and your husband need to get on the same page so you have a unified front. If you're a single mom, you're lucky you're already on the same page. 
first family command is obedience. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Obey literally means to hear under, to listen with attentiveness, and to respond positively to what is heard. And I know you wish your kids were doing that. The idea is to obey by listening to an authority. It is their fundamental role as a child. The Greek word for obey means to obey on an ongoing basis. It is command, it is not an option. Children, therefore, are to put themselves under your words and your authority as their mom. But as John Piper says, it makes no sense that God would require children to obey parents and yet not require parents to require obedience from those kids. It is part of our job to teach children the glory of a happy, submissive spirit to authorities that God has put in their place. Parents represent God to small children. It is deadly to train children to ignore the commands of God. Parents stand in the gap, so to speak, between children and God while they are too young to have a fuel and mature relationship with him themselves. John MacArthur calls it proxy, the authority to represent someone someone else. So you are God's proxy authority to your children. Why are they obey? Because the verse says it's right. Your children are to obey, and from around six months to five years old, this is your strongest time to teach it. God's rules bring blessings. The following are some benefits and also some dangers. I can't remember your outline, but I think you need to fill in now. <laughs> because I made the outline a couple weeks ago. Teaching obedience. It will keep them safe in crisis. Emergencies, running in the street, touching the oven, playing inappropriately are all examples. You need to be able to say stop right now and they stop immediately. When we were younger, we taught them that there was a circle of safety and those kids need to stay in that circle because outside the circle was lions and bears that wanted to eat them and so they needed to obey their mommy. And they actually understand that. We'd say get back in the circle and obey. If you lack to teach obedience, we were actually fun and not mean, but they understood the analogy that there was dangers if they didn't obey their parents. Okay. If you lack to teach obedience, you will have a stressful home environment. If you do not teach first-time obedience, you as a mom will be nagging, harping, and warning consistently, and also getting mad. You will probably get very harsh. Your children will learn to tune you out. They will obey only when you have reached your boiling point, and they know what that is because you have taught them to know what that is from experience. If you teach your kids to obey when you yell and scream, when will they obey? when you yell and scream. If you teach them to count, and you say one, when will they obey by the time you get to what? Whatever your number is. You say three, they'll, you know, you'll, I've seen moms go one, one and a half. I'm like, no, they need to obey when, right when you say it. To get obedience, therefore you are constantly counting, or you are constantly nagging, or you are yelling, or you are harsh. This is not a great environment for your home. First-time obedience develops the virtue of self-control. It's probably the biggest point to me. Self-control means doing the right thing, whether you feel like it or not. It is the number one most important virtue you want your children to have because you can't have other virtues unless you first have self-control. For instance, you can't always be kind or patient or think of others unless you first have the self-control to deny yourself and to do those virtues, right? To exhibit those traits. Self-control does not come naturally to children. 
I don't think anybody in this room would argue with me on that. <laughs> right? And all us old moms laugh because we can look back and laugh, but I remember being in your stage just looking at them and thinking, oh my gosh. Right? Um, you must, you must train them. It must be developed. Like any talent, skill, or quality, it's developed through practice and repetition. The more you practice, the better you get. Every time your children have to obey you the first time, when they don't want to, it develops self-control. That is like a trick. You guys, every single time they obey you right away, they are developing self-control. Sometimes we just want their hard whiny behavior to stop. Do not compromise to make peace. You will not have peace in the long run if you compromise here. A child who learns to deny his own desires and submits to his parents' control gains inner control. First time obedience offers consistency. Children do better when there's routine, structure, boundaries, and predictability. First time obedience is a predictable, consistent rule children can count on. This is part of you parenting consistently with God's principles and God's word. This develops trust in your children. Five, first time obedience requires them to submit to you, not themselves, not their feelings, not their emotions, or their self-centered desires. You model Jesus for them now. You are to do this in the Lord. That means as if you're Jesus, remember we are his proxy authority. Obedience means to hear under, and that's submission, right? It's to rank yourself under somebody else. Submission needs to be gained early, very early. All of this is under the authority you have been given by God. Robert and I would believe submission and obedience is one of the most important things you can teach your children. And God says it here, right, in Ephesians. It enables them to submit and respond to your authority properly, and hopefully what we all want is them to submit to God. They will see that God's ways are best. You are loving them well by teaching them this. Um, they will see that we must obey him no matter how they feel, no matter how hard it is. It's true we cannot change our, our children's hearts. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we need to be faithful in that training so that we train them in the way they should go. And remember, to be faithful in the Lord and raise them according to godly principles is our goal as a mom. What is the standard obedience we should what is the standard of obedience we should be requiring? Obedience should be immediate, all the way, without challenge and without complaint. You guys have a different way of saying it. The, all the way right away what? With a happy heart. That sounds better, but Yeah. Um, obedience should be immediate, all the way, without challenge, and without complaint. Or, what'd you say, Tani? All the way, or no, right away, all the way, with a happy heart. It's the same idea. This is done by you clearly communicating your expectations and standards, and your boundaries should be reasonable, and your words should be clear. I was thinking, Aaliyah, you know, if I told my boys to go in and clean their room, I would go in and I would find them setting up new toys and building trains. <laughs> and so I can't go in there and say, you didn't obey me when I feel like it was just not a very reasonable thing to ask a two and three year old. So be reasonable in what you're asking them to do. 
I mean, sometimes if I told Nathaniel anything, I'd found him sitting on the stairs. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I, I forgot what you said. <laughs> like, so I couldn't find him, he'd be on the stairs. And I think I must have just given him too broad of a, like literally with some of my kids, I'd say, pick up the blue cars, pick up the green cars, because they do need direction. I don't know if Leah left, but it does help if you are with them. All right, when given a command or instruction, they need to do four things. They need to stop what they are doing. They need to look you in the eye. They need to respond with yes, mom, or yes, dad, with a really good attitude, it's that happy heart. And then guess what? They need to do what you said. So stop what they're doing, look you in the eye, respond yes, mom, do what you told them to do. If they obey, the, if they obey you, encourage them and make it a big deal. If they do not, the consequence needs to be immediate, and we'll talk about that soon. Did you guys get all that? We're good? <clears throat> what? Four again? Does that do it? Do what you told them to do. Stop what they're doing, look you in the eye, respond, yes, ma'am, do what you told them to do. Remember here, we're talking about first-time obedience, right-away obedience. When you say it, they do it. Do not give them multitude of reasons why that you need them to obey. Your command is enough. Eventually, they will learn the extreme wisdom behind your commands. But the moment you need obedience is not the time you're giving them all your wisdom. Do not do in-depth teaching. This is exasperating. Stop talking so much. Stop reasoning with them. If you say to do it, they do it. If you give your children lots of reasons to carry out everything you say, you should realize you probably have a weak view of your own authority, which is God-given, and you are attempting to persuade your children to comply. It doesn't work. The more you try to talk to a resistant child and you talk him into obeying, the more your child comes to view himself as your equal. You don't want this. Don't give away your authority. Argumentative children, ones that display this as a pattern, I'm not saying they will argue. Um, they usually get that way because we start the conflict by justifying what we're trying to get them to do. You don't need to justify your instructions, especially to a five-year-old or a two-year-old. Maintain this authority all of their childhood. Your authority needs to come from God's word. Never in my life have I seen more this even more important than now. Our world is so blurry. Your child needs to see that how you live comes from the authority of scripture, how you parent, everything you do. Don't be blurry in your home. God's word is what needs to lead their life. They must know, grow up knowing that God's word is the boss and that God is your boss and that you are their boss. Think of a funnel and a cone. This is an old illustration. A funnel goes like this, right? It's tied at the bottom. And that's where you need to be right now. It's tied in your control. Hi. Tied in uh, how you parent. Make them obey. You're really teaching obedience and submission. I haven't seen her in a while. Um, so be tied at the bottom. And as they make wise choices and they're gaining responsibility and they're getting older is when you're opening this up. Unfortunately, a lot of parents, even to make peace in the home, parent with a cone. And they're giving lots of decisions and, oh, you don't want to wear the red shirt? Well, let me pick out two different colors you can pick. Your child doesn't know 
that there's 14 shirts in the closet. You just gave away all your power by letting them choose. Be careful how much freedom you're getting them when they're little. Because when does the cone get this way? Teenage. So I, I would advise you, tight now so that as they're gaining responsibility and learning all your wisdom, they will have much more freedom later. Many young moms have said to me they're afraid of the teenage years. I was just gonna say, yeah, they're scary, but don't be afraid. I would argue that this time in your parenting from zero to five is the most important training you will ever do. Right now is when you are laying the foundation for those teenage years. Even if they aren't saved, I promise you, you will see the benefit of them being submissive and obedient to you. Anything you see at three, add 10 to 12 years. Do you want to see that lack of self-control in your teenager, that disrespect? Deal with it now. A disrespectful teen is a very hard teenager. J.C. Ryle says, parents determine to make your children obey you. Though it may cost you a lot of trouble, and cost them many tears. Let there be no questioning or reasoning or disputing and delaying. When you give them a command, let them clearly see you expect them to do it. So this is for first time obedience. Don't ask them to do something, state it. Don't say, you want to say, Jesse, pick up your toys. You don't wanna say, Jesse, would you please not dump out your toys all over the living room? She's not gonna listen to you. Don't ask a question, say it. You think you're being nice, and you can be nice in your command, but don't ask them a question. If they don't obey immediately after a reminder, give a consequence. We're gonna talk about that on the panel, how to train them to obey you first time. Because remember, it's training. When they don't obey and they know that they're supposed to obey and they've learned this rule, which they learn quickly, um, your correction, for that lack of obedience needs to be immediate. So first we have obedience and the second family command is honor. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may be, go well with you and you may have a long life on earth. Simply put, this is the right attitude behind the obedience and that's where Tani called it happy in a happy heart, um, with a happy heart. Honor means to value highly to hold in the highest regard and respect. The child who is brought up to obey and honor his parents will be sensitive to their wisdom, counsel, and welfare when they are older, even if they don't want to. Practically fix their attitudes. Don't let them obey with a bad attitude. If you say, please go pick up your blue cars, and they go, yes, mom, that's not okay. They know, yes, mom, get your fake voice on, use your high pretty voice, but make them say it to you nicely. Respect to parents was super important to God, right? Physical or verbal abuse to a parent was a capital offense in ancient Israel. We're moving quickly. Obedience, honor, and the third family command is to, to provoke. I think Robert's actually gonna go into this in two weeks, but um, I'm just gonna list ways you can provoke your kids, frustrating them, Pay attention to what they're doing when you instruct them. If they are in the middle of a really cool activity, give them a warning. It's okay to say, hey, in five minutes, we're gonna clean up your toys. Or, so you, you need to be benevolent and nice, and maybe at times it's very prudent to give them a warning. You know, when we get to church, we're gonna say hi to all the nice ladies in their eyes. Like, 
plan for them, train them, give them warnings, prep them for obedience. Inconsistent discipline, your child will get frustrated if they don't know what to expect. Um, you can provoke them by harsh, harsh responses. Remember having a plan and first time obedience really helps you not be harsh. Um, you can provoke them by excessive discipline or excessive control, um, by threatening, repeating, instructing over and over, talking too much when they're not age appropriate. Remember that when they're teenagers, you don't wanna lecture. I don't know why, but every woman has a tendency to lecture, some of us more than others. Um, you can provoke them by making them feel like they are an intrusion in your life. When you wake up, remember you're a mom. They are not an intrusion. Um, we can provoke them by withholding love if they disobey, by being discouraging, condescending, and sarcastic. Um, I believe we provoke them if we don't apologize and admit when we're wrong. Ask your moms at your table. I'm sure that they can come up with a lot of reasons. If you see your child getting angry, get some help. Ask why. Maybe there is something you're doing that you don't know. Fourth family command, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up, this is what I wanted to get to in the outline, that was all just free for you. Bring them up literally means rear to maturity. Guess what maturity means? Self-control, which means not ruled by their passions and desires. It means wise, which means they will have insight sound decision-making, and they will handle stress well, and it means responsible, personal accountability, faithful, hardworking, and reliable. So again, maturity means self-control, wise, and responsible. Don't those sound like just perfect children? Um, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The Bible is our guide. Again, God's word is boss. Training or discipline. I think we read discipline and we want to say this is all about discipline as we think of, is it called corporal punishment? Um, actually this verse, this word in here, means systematic training of your children. The tools used in this training, and I think these are on your outline, rules, guidelines, restrictions, rewards, correction, and structure. Notice correction is a part of training, not all of training. Raising your sweet little children requires lots of training. Lots of systematic training. You will train far more than you will correct, although you will have days where you feel like all you do is correct. But remember, correction is a tool of training and not vice versa. Instruction is more specific than the general term of training or discipline. Instruction, I love this, literally means put sense to the mind. Through verbal admonition, encouragement, advice, advice and warning, we instruct our children about the character and deeds of God and what he requires of them. This has to do with the type of instruction found in Proverbs, which is what? Proverbs is the book of wisdom, which is right attitudes and right behavior, which is what we've been talking about. Deuteronomy 6, which Sean is talking about, maybe next week, um, all day talk to your kids about creation, about how great God is. Point out when something happened and you could say, oh, let's thank the Lord for that. Even things as little as when you go in the parking lot and you have four kids and you're like, Lord, please give me a good spot. Say, oh, Jesus gave us a good spot. 
If you didn't, you could say, well, I guess Jesus wants us to walk. <laughs> Pray before your meals. God should be first always. It is this training that good habits of wise living can be built. Habits are very good things. Good ones, right? Bad ones are hard to break. Um, a child left to his own devices and self-will and not obedient will be a hard teenager. It's much harder than what you're doing right now. J.C. Ryle, my favorite, says training does not change a child's nature, but it does change his modes of giving expression to his nature. Again, that's self-control. Some practical things. We're going to talk a little bit about this in the panel, too. When they are little, practice training. Put them in the other room. Be fun. You guys are supposed to be fun moms. Tell them you are going to call them. Run out, call them. Have them say, yes, mom, coming. And then have them run to you. Make a big deal. Hug them. Encourage them. Megan's going to have lots of ways you can train your kids. My favorite trick of parenting is yes, mom. I can still use that with Stephanie. And I even found yesterday when I had my grandkids, I'm like, yes, mom. I mean, Dee Dee. Yes, Dee Dee. They will wise up. So remember when you're teaching them obedience, make them acknowledge it right in your eye and say, yes, mom. You, that way you can say, I need you to go right there. Yes, mom. And they're like, she means business. Go do it. The other thing, look me in the eye. Remember, it's one of the things you want. This shows respect. It shows they're listening to you, and it shows that you are the authority. You must get their undistracted attention. What do they do? They don't look. They don't want to look you in the eye. They look anywhere but your eye. I had a friend who would sit, get on the toddler's level and say, put your hands on my face, because that was the only way she could stop her kids from moving. Um, I watched Megan yesterday get down, hold Penny's hands right in front of her, and if I go down, then you can't hear me. But um, right in her face and just say, Penny, look in my eyes and obey mommy. And she did. And Penny has a lot of energy. <laughs> so if she can do it, and if Stephanie could do it, any of your kids can do it. That's all I have to say. Um, interrupting. Don't let them interrupt. Teach them to put your, their hand on your leg. And you say, good job, just a minute. Let mommy finish. And then go back to your conversation. And then say, okay, excuse me, what would you like? It works. They learn that they are not the most important thing in the room. Self-control, remember, is the most important virtue, in my opinion. You guys might laugh, but teach them to control their crying. Often they cry and they scream their head off, right? We would say to our kids, cry with your mouth closed. <laughs> you guys, try it. They go, mm, it's not fun. They get nothing out of their loud, horrible crying. Tell them, close your mouth. And if you've taught first-time obedience, they'll close their mouth. And I promise it takes the fun out of it. Marcy Preston told me a story about Stacia's little 18-month-old, and she said he was whining. I'm sure he doesn't whine much. <coughs> yeah, boys whine more than girls, right? Don't tell my kids that, that's true. Um, he was whining, and Chris got on his level and said, Caleb, do we whine? And you might think, what 18-month-old knows? that He knew, right? He knows. And so at 18 months, Chris got him to stop whining. That's a really big deal. Work on it. They can do it. Kids need to learn to control their body, their passions, their cravings, how they eat, 
appropriate behavior at other people's houses. Happy heart, say it always. They need to have happy hearts. If you need help with this, all your moms know this trick. Ask them how you do happy heart. I'm gonna let your moms tell you. Limit their choices at this age. Model good choices so they learn to make wise choices. I think we think we're helping our kids by giving them lots of choices under five. You're not. Let, uh, be nice, you can let them choose sometime. But if you are constantly saying, what do you want for lunch? It's just not wise. Limit their choices, help them to make good choices, model them, and then remember as the funnel goes outward, you're seeing them make wise choices, and then they can have a lot more freedoms. And at some point, don't forget to let them have choices. I've started seeing moms at 10 years old, like they don't let them have choices, you don't want that. At, at some point, and I'd say five-ish on up, start letting them have some choices and give them freedom. You want them to uh, make you proud, make good choices, and, and you wanna let them fail a little bit. Well, a lot, they'll fail a lot, actually. Um, be a yes mom. And what I mean by that is say yes when you can because you have many times over the years to say no. So if you are saying no because it's an inconvenience to you, that's not cool. So be fun and say yes when you can. Teach them to clean up. There is definitely a payoff to this. We had all the kids over last week and it, it just, you guys, it works. By the time they're in their 20s, they do help. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. And Robert always says, you know, some are not cleaner than others, but he always says, oh, you're just gonna miss this when they all leave, and, and now I'm getting to that point, and it's true, I will miss it. So you guys can come over and mess up my house if you'd like to. Um, this is a good one, have them play by themselves in their rooms, or a playpen when younger. Um, gives you a break, it's good for you, but really it's good for them. It teaches them the world doesn't ro revolve around them and that mom has responsibilities. They learn to play with specific toys I think it makes them smarter. They learn how to figure out those toys, how they work. And then guess what? You can say in your small little space, maybe when they're you know, a year old and they're in the playpen, put all your toys in the corner in the proper way. It does help. Stephanie would just throw all the toys out of the playpen, so it didn't really work for her, but <laughs> I had four others that it worked for. Read a lot of good Bible books. Bible time should be fun. Make it exciting. Don't be boring. Act out stories, get everybody involved. Encourage and praise obedience and good choices. Teach them the fruits of the Spirit. You know, be kind, be gentle. Remember when you're instructing them that this comes from the Bible and say it. You know, Jesus says in Galatians that we are to be kind. You're always wanting them to know that the Bible is boss. It is their authority. Okay, correction. I brought this up here. I'll show you in a minute. Correction is a tool of training. The biblical model, remember, this is part of discipline. Your children will fail often like we do, right? You have the opportunity to teach them repentance. Biblical repentance is the pathway to your child's salvation. That's what we all want, right? We desire for our kids to submit to Christ and, and be saved. Biblical repentance is that pathway. An adult who does not know how to repent in life must overcome that handicap when hearing the gospel. Alternatively, a child who learns true repentance might have an easier time in responding to that gospel. They can recognize their sin, acknowledge faults, and make right the wrong. 
What is repentance not? It's not sorrow. It's not emotion. It's not even apology. Those are possible elements, but they do not prove repentance. Repentance, we know, is right turning from yourself and turning to God and putting your hands in your life in his hands. Start teaching repentance now. When they do something wrong, tell them it's a sin. Don't give them a 20-minute gospel lecture at three years old, right? There's good choice and a bad choice. They made a bad choice. A bad choice is sin. Have them ask for forgiveness. Correction is not only for the purpose of shaping a child's behavior. It is also the means by which you are pointing your child to his need for Jesus Christ. When a child fails to live up to the standard which he is taught, it is an opportunity to explain his need for a savior. A low standard gives them a low need for a savior. The law, even way back in the Old Testament, was given to preserve society and prevent anarchy. The intent was to control sin and to show them that they needed Jesus Christ. You are doing no different as a parent. In training our kids, we are teaching them to understand what it means to know and love Christ and be obedient to God's word. Some thoughts on chastisement. It's actually loving, right? Hebrews 12:11. God's purpose and discipline is precise. It's to bring about the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Righteousness means what? Right with God. Your children must have consequences in order to learn how to live a righteous life, and they must learn. This is to convey God's standard of holiness and to lead your child to an understanding of his inability to perfectly live by them. Like the law, you are a mirror. They must see their need for a savior and their inability to do this on their own. There are consequences to disobedience. You determine those. We wish there was a book that said, if my kid does this, then you do that. Like, it would be nice. But you can admonish them. You can have natural consequences related to the mistake. Take away the property. Deny some privileges. Have them take personal responsibility for the mistake. But if you have determined they have acted in defiance, and you have trained them, then you might need a powerful reminder. I opened up with Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. I didn't say the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Spanking is biblical. It is always on the basis of clear prior and understood instructions. It should be done in private when they are aware. Clarify the issue. Have them apologize. Have them acknowledge the sin and have them make it right. Be swift about it. Remember, we want to lecture and we want to give them all our wisdom. Be swift about it. They did something wrong. They know the rule they broke and it's over. Megan's going to talk about this at the different stages. Hug them and send them away smiling. A child should leave this time happy, feeling restored. Um, this is for defiant behavior. These are not for things you need training in. This is you issued a command. They did not do it. If you spank consistent, consistently, you will rarely spank. I did call it spanking and I still do. Maybe that's wrong, but that's how I do it. Do it inconsistently, you will do it all the time. It is important to understand that biblical chastisement is very different from the world's way. Biblical chastisement is done for the child, not to him. The goal is to change inward attitudes. It's planned. It's not arbitrary. It molds lifelong character. Is mostly done by age five, much less after age seven. 
helps clear the child of a guilty conscience. If you train in first-time obedience, you will train and correct more in the beginning, right? And less as they grow up. Otherwise, you'll be backwards, and trust me, that's not a good place to be. This is as they start understanding it was wrong. This chastisement is not complete until they have repented, you have forgiven, and they are restored. Your kids should leave discipline loving and happy, laughing and happy. Remember, it's never in anger. It's never in frustration. If you are angry or frustrated, don't do it. In conclusion, the family commands are children obey, children honor, parents do not provoke, parents bring them up. This sounds simple. In reality, the Bible is pretty simple, but it's not easy to do. It's hard. It's a hard job. It's your calling. I would argue it's the greatest job you will ever have. My brother says it's the most important job on earth. Your children are going to be different. You will focus on different things for each child. No matter what your child's like, the standard is the same. So even though they're different, you're not lowering or raising the standard based on the kid. The standard in your home is the same. It just might be different getting there sometimes. I could have quoted J.C. Ryle about a thousand times. If you don't have the book, Duty of Parents, go get it. And Megan has a lot of books over there. But like right now, go on Amazon and order J.C. Ryle's Duty of Parents. It is by far the best parenting book there is. It's a sermon he gave, and they've made it into little lessons. Fight for their obedience, honor, and train that heart to be soft and submissive so they mature properly. Pray for God to reveal what you are missing. Children must learn while they are toddlers to obey their parents quickly and without resistance and to endure humble, hard situations humbly. With faithful parents, they can learn and develop good habits that will help them the rest of their lives and prayerfully someday will transfer to submitting to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We always prayed that would happen sooner than later. Always pray for your kids' salvation. We're excited about the panels with Tracy and Megan. And I was telling Tracy, we are, all three of us are very like-minded and we're excited to kind of go through some practical situations with you. Thank you for having me. May you guys, may all of us as parents be faithful to do what is right. We have Tracy Dodson, of course, and we also have Tracy Farrell. Tracy Farrell is married to another of our elders, Sean. They've been married for 23 years, and they have a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old. Tracy and Sean have moved from junior high and high school ministry to high school ministry to college ministry. Um, Tracy's an incredible host, and she disciples many of the young women in our church as she ministers alongside Sean. We also have Megan Whitsum, who has been part of Moms by Grace for several years. She's been married to AJ for 12 years, and they've served at FBC since the very beginning of their marriage. Um, she has three kids, ages seven, three, and seven months, and currently they are a huge part of our college ministry. So welcome our three wonderful, wise women sitting up here. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we're going to start out with the question, um, what is the proper discipline at different ages? 
For example, what needs to be disciplined at six months of age and how do you do that? What requires discipline at one and a half years old? How do you discipline? And three years old and how, how you discipline? Um, and you can even go younger than whatever. Okay. Okay, I think I'm up for this one. Um, so first, before I answer this, I just have to thank my children for being especially disobedient uh, in the last couple weeks <laughs> since I've been asked to do this because I have lots of opportunity to practice uh, what I'm in a breach. Um, my kids are not easy. Um, I have called both of the Tracys multiple times in tears asking for advice and what to do. Um, and I'm just going to share with you what I've learned from them and from other wonderful moms. Um, what's been effective in our home. Um, I don't do this perfectly, and my children are far from perfect, um, but it definitely works. So, okay, first, training requires repetition, as we were saying, like it is over and over and over again. Um, that's like you don't go to the gym and lift weights and like one time and then you're buff. Um, so it's over and over and over. <laughs> I wish it was like that, but it's not. Um, so we train over and over. So all of this is going to fall under that. So six months, um, even at six months, their little simple hearts show up. Uh, you're changing them, and they start to arch their back and scream. Um, they're rolling over while you're getting their clothes on, those kind of things. Um, so those are ways that their little, little sin is coming out. Um, so ways you can train for that is, so they're arching their back while you're changing them. Um, you can hold their little hips onto the changing pad and say, no, be still they probably won't be still, and they'll arch their back again. Um, so then you say, no, and you swap their little leg. Um, and then they probably will look at you in horror, like, why did you do that to me? Um, but you just keep doing that. As, as they arch their back, as they are showing, they're exerting their will, um, you remind them that they're not in charge. Um, so while you're rolling away, while they're rolling away, you say, be still, you hold them. Um, while they bite you, while you're nursing them. Isn't that the worst? You flick their little cheek and you say, no, do not bite mom. Um, and you, they're spitting, maybe they are spitting their food because you're introducing food to them and they don't like it. Um, and they, not obviously like, like little babies do that, but if they're angry and they're like spit, then you say no spit. You can flick their little cheek. Um, if they are like slapping stuff off their tray, you can take their little hand and smack their hand and say no. At this age, six months, it's really short commands. We don't like your little six month olds crawling towards the outlet and you don't say like, now small child, if you touch this electrical outlet, you're gonna be electrocuted and you'll probably die. Um, we don't, like, right, you don't say that. You just say no touch. So how you train them to do that for the electrical outlet one or something you don't want them to touch, you go and you show them. So you put your hand like on it. It's really hard to do with two. So. You like put your hand on it and then you say, no touch. And you smack your own hand. So you're telling them like, when you do that, you're um, And then they, they see that, they're definitely still gonna touch it. So <laughs> when they do, you take their hand and you say, no touch. And you do it, and they cry, and it's fine. You pick them up, and you say, Mommy loves you. And then you move on with your day. It's really short. Um, I think with that one, too, make sure that you're not spanking them or correcting them until you've actually trained them yeah. in that way so that there's the expectation that they know this is now a no, right? Because there's going to be a lot of new no's that they don't know, and they're going to be 
adventurous and want to discover everything out there. So there's gonna be a lot of times where they're not gonna actually know yet whether that's a no or not. So make sure that you're training them and telling them first yeah. before you expect that of them. Sure, because then you're exacerbating them because they don't have any frame of reference for what you're asking. Um, at this age too, really, we're saying like happy heart. You really kind of feel like maybe you're in a Disney movie or something because you're like, happy heart. You're like, I feel like I'm, <laughs> and you feel kind of silly. Um, but we're training them in how they're supposed to respond and that's how little kids respond, right? When you get excited about something, they're excited about it. Um, and so we are showing them with our face and with our voice, um, this is how you respond. So happy heart, you say that all the time. You can also say um, like no eh or like no whining, but I think little kids don't know the word whining, so you would just say no eh, no. And they say happy heart. And then you just look like you're crazy, but it's fine, it's good. <laughs> it's good, it's good training and it does work. <laughs> um, okay, so for one and a half, or these are all just kind of general references, obviously for each, like this is gonna be fluid. Some kids are smarter than other kids. They grow more quickly or they pick up stuff. Um, you're just always looking for ways to train them on the thing that they're doing at the moment. So when they're crawling, um, you're looking for like, what are ways I can help keep them safe and train them while they're crawling? Um, so for one and a half-ish, there's a little bit more talking because they can understand a little bit more. Um, Tracy did a good job saying the coming when they're called, that's huge. We practice that a lot. And you can make it really fun, make obeying fun, um, because there's blessing and obedience. And so we want to also teach that. It's not just like we obey because you have to and we're grumpy. Like, oh, there's the obeying is um, brings joy. So come when you called. Um, we do, like, we'll go to Harvest Inn or somewhere where it's easy to walk around with small people. Um, and we'll just practice, like, stop, go. Whether they can do a scooter or if it's just walking, we'll say, okay, we're going to go practice obeying right away. And we'll start walking and then say, hey, listen for mommy's voice. And they're walking and then you say, stop. And then they have to stop. If they don't stop immediately and they take like 10 more steps, that's not actually obeying right away. So then I'll go and say, you didn't stop right away. We're going to practice it again. This is the training and the practicing part, right? So you're teaching them that um, in a fun way. And we literally will just do laps um, because my children are stubborn. Um, <laughs> and but make it fun. Um, what else? Being gentle, um, a lot of you guys have multiple kiddos, and so um, we just will practice being gentle. It's like, oh, nice baby. And you are showing them with your hands and with your voice how to be gentle and kind um, and how to care for someone other than themselves. They totally get it at one and a half and up, they get it. Um, they shouldn't, uh, biting, um, that some kids really struggle with that. Um, and I actually have, one of, one of my girls bit me, and I took their hand and bit them, obviously, not very hard, like it was, but they just like, how could you do that? They're like, no, that hurts, do not bite, no biting. Um, and then once you've trained, like what you're doing to that person, that's how that feels, don't do that. Then you can then correct them for when they do it the next time, because they know. Um, pulling hair, those are all things at this age, screaming and anger is a huge one. Self-control, so much of what we're talking about is stepped up in self-control uh, when they're upset. I think especially when they're like flopping on the floor, um, that, right, they do that a lot. <laughs> I know they're mad and they don't want to listen. And so that is a huge area of training. So you can tell them um, 
no flapping and you like help them stand up and then they like go limp and they get mad and you say no stand up happy heart and really you're just helping their body do the thing that it's supposed to do right like you're telling them to smile we stand up we look in the eyes all of those things you're um, showing them how they're supposed to do it I think there's oftentimes too when that's happening and you're spanking them multiple times that they can just be getting more and more angry mm -hmm. it's okay to put them in their bed um, and to tell them, uh, you know what, you're out, you're out of control, especially if they're doing the tantrums and hitting their head on the ground or whatever. Um, put them in their bed. Jill said always told me that's the safest place for them to be. Um, and for you to be able to calm down and to go and get your heart where you're thinking clearly and where you're calm and rational and not getting caught up in their tantrum as well and getting frustrated and angry because you don't want to spank them or correct them out of anger. You want to do a soft answer turns away wrath, right? And so we want to make sure that our hearts are right. So the safest, put them in their bed, tell them, I'll come back when you have a happy heart. And then you go into the hallway with your book or your little, um, we were talking about what was the, the wise words for moms. And we're going to look at that and remember, okay, these are the verses that I'm supposed to be thinking of. And I love my child. Lord, help me to love this child. You're praying, right? <laughs> Trying to get your heart right um, and ready to go and meet them again and then start the correction over so that you both are in a place where you're able even when they're really small, I would go in and say, turn into the um, doorway and say, are you ready to have a happy heart? And sometimes they'll look at you and then they're deciding right then whether or not they're gonna smile or whether or not they're gonna start screaming. And if they start screaming again, you go, I guess you're not ready. And I walk out and they can't see you again. You hear them in there throwing themselves all around their bed, whatever. Let, and then when you, as soon as you hear them quiet, you go back into the doorway and say, are you ready to have a happy heart? And then you see them look at you. And then, so you keep doing that with them until they have the right response. And sometimes that's better than continuing to keep spanking them and correcting them because it's just making them more angry. And when they're little, you can go in there when they take a breath. They're screaming in there and they go, oh, go, oh, happy. And they ah, oh, you guys, honestly, this works with dogs. You can do this. I go to dog school and I'm like, every parent should come to dog school. <laughs> the other thing I was gonna say, when you're spanking their hand, you're not saying, no touch. It's it good. It has to hurt. It has to hurt. Yeah. Has to hurt. It, you don't want to overly hurt them. Remember, excessive discipline is not good, but it has to hurt. When their hands, you're feeling like, whoa, I'm having to tap their hand a little too hard, then you go to this. Not this. It's this. You guys, I'm not crying. They, do it on yourself. So you, they'll cry, but in the beginning when you're, you know, on the changing table and you're doing this, they're not thinking, wow, my mom just took her hand and hit my thigh. They're thinking, what was that? And then you're, you're, you guys, these are just little reminders. So then you're on the thigh. And then you don't use that little tooly thing, whatever you guys like to call it, whacker, till later. Yeah, so you, I think that we always want to do defiant, like defiant disobedience. You've asked them to do something and, they know it. yes, and they know it and that's when you would introduce the whacker and that's when there's that like more immediate, quick, fast, like that you, I asked you to do something, you didn't do it, there's a thing. That's not the training part. You've moved into like they know what they're supposed to do, um, and there's a consequence for it. Um, so moving a little bit into the older 
ages, um, around three, even before before three. My kids are before three. They're they're very advanced. <laughs> they are they are thinkers in their sin. It is very advanced. They're very creative with their sin, so they can uh, they can understand a little more. Um, so these are some things um, to be looking out for at that age, and then I'll tell you like kind of what I say when I go. Um, to discipline them. So all the things from before, um, stopping and coming and happy heart and all of that, lying um, really starts to rear its ugly head when they realize like they can get out of something um, potentially. And so lying in our house is a double consequence. Whatever the consequence was that you did, you're going to get that one and you're going to get two more um, because God hates lying um, and we want to instill that um, in our kids too. Um, whining, um, this one, we do a little bit less thinking for and more they have to go be by themselves and so um it's hard to be like stop whining thank you and then they're like oh no they're fine and happy sometimes it just takes them a couple more minutes to like calm themselves down and so like tracy was saying put them in their room um even like we have say you can also make them repeat it with a better voice yes because you're that's all training when they're whining you say what try again they know how to repeat it nicely Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um, just being kind towards other people, sharing their toys, those are all things that you can train them in. Um, and then so if there's a need arises for them to have consequence. Um, and there's people around in our home, which is a lot, I take them to the bathroom and so I'll bring them, I usually just like sit on the toilet and then I have their little hands in, in front of me um, and I'll say to the three-year-old now, um, why are you in trouble? Most of the time, she can articulate it. Sometimes she's still really angry and doesn't even want to say. Um, so if she doesn't, if she says, "Because I hit my sister and I was screaming or something," then I say, "Yes, there's a consequence for that." And so I pull her over my leg and I smack her leg right here um, with the whacker. And then I now I'm starting the restoration process. Right? It's super short. I say, "What do you need to say to mommy?" Um, and then she'll say, "I'm sorry." For you always want to have them say what it's for, not just I'm sorry and move on, because we we have to acknowledge our sin before the Lord, right? And so we want to teach them that they're acknowledging what they did. Um, so I'm sorry for hitting Harper. Um, and then we'll go, and so I say, I, I forgive you, and then we go find, if it's against someone else, we go find that person and say, um, okay, Penny's going to say something to you, and then we make, we practice saying it to their face, looking them in the eye. Um, Sometimes if I can sense it's like gonna be a problem, I will have them practice to me while we're in there. Um, Like if it's for a friend and we just are kind of extra embarrassed maybe that they're in trouble, I'll say like, okay, what are you gonna say? I'm pretend, pretend like I'm cozy. What are you gonna say? Um, And then I'll have them practice it while we're there. Um, And then you're setting them up for success when you go back out um, to be able to do what they need to do. Um, So you're teaching them restoration and then always like Tracy was saying you want to just love them the process the discipline process is over we're not angry with them still it's done um and so give them a big hug mommy loves you and when they're the, the smaller they are the less talking the bigger they are you can add a couple more words mommy disciplines you because I love you okay now we're moving on with our life um and some days you feel like literally all you do is give them consequences and there are those days and um they happen frequently. And so I just would encourage you, don't give up because it will produce righteousness eventually, um, even though it feels like that's all you're doing all day long. (laughs) 
This wasn't one of your questions, but I wanted to add it in there because it did come up. What if you are not at home and your children require being disciplined? How do you handle that when you're out in public, especially now, you know, when it seems like such a taboo to um, spank your children and stuff like that? So how do you do that? When they're younger and you can't do anything about it, don't worry, they'll sin again and you'll get them the next time. <laughs> you honestly don't need to worry about it. Seriously, forget it. Um, when they're older, I'm telling you they know. I remember being with Ryan Shackelford and we walked in a store, he was two and he goes, red fire truck. And we walked in the store and we walked out and the truck was gone. He go, way to go, way fire truck go. And I was like, oh, he knows after 15 minutes exactly what he knows. And you can say, you can wait till you get to the car, you can wait till you get home, depending on how much you think your child understands. I remember being with my sister-in-law, Patty, who was my total mentor, and her kids were so bad in the wallpaper store, and I didn't have kids, and I was like, I'm staring at them, I'm like, what are you guys doing, are you nuts? And I thought they were so bad, and she was just so patient, and we got in the car, and they all got in the back seat like this. <laughs> and I didn't, I remember, I, I think I might have even just had a baby or nothing. And she goes, they go, hi mom, are we in trouble? <laughs> she goes, yep. And I was like. <laughs> and she goes, you all know you're in trouble, don't you? They go, yeah, did you obey mommy? Nope. They go, okay, and she got home and spanked them all. And you guys, it was such an example to me to go deal with it. And they knew, and they were really bad. Like, I was embarrassed. I'm like, I don't know them. <laughs> Just happened to be with this lady visiting. But yeah, they were bad. And I think that's so important is that she didn't lose her cool, right? And she's not actually angry at her kids. Like, she expects that they're going to sin. <laughs> and she knows what her job is, and that's to discipline them when it's appropriate time to get home or wherever in the car. Don't be afraid if you can and have to. If your kid is throwing themselves on the floor in the store, leave the store. They're, your training of them is more important than you getting that grocery shopping done. That can happen. Dude, you have Instacart now for all of you guys. It's like so bougie. I can't believe it. How easy is that? What is that? You can just Instacart it later and your exactly. husband can pick it up on the and way home. let's talk about Amazon. We didn't have Amazon. Whatever. <laughs> so much easier. And but you won't, you won't do that. You honestly, you probably won't have to leave your stuff more than maybe oh, yeah, two or three. That only happened to me one time. Yeah, one time. With two kids, one time. Restaurants, same thing. You can, I mean, nowadays maybe don't go in the bathroom, but they know. They're, they're way smarter than you all give them credit for. And I, I will tell them, like, because they know, we call it consequences, and some families call it reminders. You have, you use what works for your family, but I will just say that's one consequence in the car to remind them, like, yeah, that's the oh, only time it's okay to count. Right. That's and one. I, <laughs> that's two. Yes. And I, I honestly, we've gotten like up to four and five, and they just, the looks on their faces, like, like, I'm not going to get out of it. It reminds no. me of that movie, Far and Away. Liddy goes, you better be quiet. And she's like, ugh. And then she yelled at him. You guys should watch it. <laughs> but they totally remember. So you can. Yeah, they know. Yeah. I just want you to remember, say it to yourself all day. They know exactly what I'm saying. And when you, I think when you require 
when you set your standard high, like they will, they will meet it if you are training them in it. Um, Make sure you follow through and follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you say it, you do it. Yeah, that's yes. that's huge. We have a, a whacker in our drawer in the downstairs bathroom, and many families have used it. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> in there. One time, Danny, who's in here, hid the whacker, and Michelle West's little girl was over, and Jenna got in trouble. I said, Michelle, I don't know where my whacker is. Danny goes, I do, and she ran in the office, and she had hunt, stuck it in the hole under the desk where the wires feed up, and she brought it out for her friend to get in trouble. Uh, Danny and Janae were friends. Janae hit hers too, so they must have like planned that whole thing. So I had ten. But consistency is key. Asking, not having, not telling them to do something, and then not requiring of it. That just breeds so many problems. There, there's so much security, and when I say do this and then I require it, they're like it is a blessing to your children to have them follow through with what you're asking them to do. You're setting them up for success so well, but you're also making your life easier in your home. Thank you. So while we're just continuing on talking about discipline, how do you handle a child who's being silly and funny when disciplined? Because sometimes it's hard to not laugh yourself. So how do you handle with that? Laugh. Laugh Laugh and then get them. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the older I get, the funnier it gets with my grandkids. Colby especially, she's funny, and I have to turn away like, oh my gosh. How many times have you all turned your back on your kids, laughed, and then turned back around and acted like... Yeah, I think some kids are, are more interested in being funny than, than others. I have one that's like that, and she will do anything to get, she's hilarious, and so she'll, she tries really hard. Um, and so when I am, as a mom, I sense like, I think that this is actually becoming a discipline issue because you're trying to get out of it. Um, then I need to turn my own like comedy level down and say, no, this is actually more important that I am training her to not want so badly to be funny. Um, and so then I will just say, if you don't stop giggling or laughing, um, then there's gonna be an extra consequence. Um, you need to be, you need to have self-control while you're talking to mommy. Okay, so um, we know that Megan has a whole pile of books over there. So what are some trustworthy resources to help and give ideas on disciplining and training and encouragement? So. There's a whole pile. Um, come look at them. Yeah, come look at them. I think my top three are the duties of parents. Um, and this is actually even a PDF now. You can get it for free, um, which is amazing. Like, just buy this book and read it every year, The Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle. Um, and then I love uh, Ginger Hubbard. Her Don't Make Me Count to Three is so good. This is full of really good practical um, tips. Much of what I shared is just from this book. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. Don't Make Me Count to Three by Ginger Hubbard. And then I love this one, Loving the Little Years by Rachel Jankovic. Um, this one is just a little more encouraging like for the mama heart that's like, this is so hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so Loving the Little Years is great. You guys talked about this one. It's not a book, but it's called Wise Words for Moms. It's also by Ginger Hubbard. But 
it has, um, it's like a chart, basically. Um, you can get it on Amazon. And it has like the, the child's behavior. So it'll say like complaining. Um, and then it has heart probing questions to ask them. This is obviously for like a little bit older, um, but it'll say like, is your attitude showing thankfulness? And that, so it's helping you help train them in whatever it is. And then it gives you a verse um, for the reproof, like do everything without complaining. Um, and then an encouragement, um, the put on part, like being thankful. Um, it is God's will that you be thankful and joyful in all circumstances. So it gives you verses um, for how to talk. Like biblically um, to your kids. I used that. Uh, that used says my Bible. And it was seriously, I had it. You can put a hole in the top and nail it to the wall, like wherever <laughs> you take your kids to discipline them. I used this tool so much. I loved it. They didn't have a lot of tools, I feel like. And yeah. do you have more? Uh, I, there's just so many resources. I think it's I think, too, the greatest asset you can have are the older women that are sitting at your tables right now. Um, this is such a blessing to be able to have this. There was nothing, there was nothing like this at FBC when when it started, and this is such a huge blessing. We had, you know, I had her um, and a few other women, but um, to call them right, the people that have been in the trenches before you, and who have all the war wounds and battle scars from before, and that can just speak truth to you in the moment and remind you of what you're supposed to be doing and calm your heart and turn it back to the Lord. Um, and remind you and just encourage you in that process because being a mom can be really discouraging at times, especially when there's that repetition of your kids needing that consistent uh, behavioral help. <laughs> um, but yeah, use them. I think they want to be used. Don't think that you're bothering them or that they don't have the time. They'll make the time for you. They want to see you succeed. Um, that's their heart's desire. That's why they're here, spending their Saturday morning with you. So take advantage of them. I know that they would want that. Over Instagram. Instagram, you guys, we go on some of these sites just for fun. Um, for kicks and giggles. Yeah. And they have beautiful Instagrams marketed well. They are garbage on parenting. Be very careful what you're looking up. Especially the guy that says, I'm Dr. So-and-so and my wife's so-and-so. And it's very psychological. I read one the other day, they said obedience is necessary sometimes. So I was like, <laughs> and they're, they're talking about Christianity. And they're saying that God is just all about grace. You guys, you are to be full of grace and truth. But under five, grace is later for your kids when they're understanding. They're standing before God. You, you are training them from zero to five. Don't, don't go to Instagram and weird doctors with pretty Instagrams with their wives who say things that are completely against God's word, which is your boss, not Instagram. Yeah, and God's never wishy-washy with us about our sin, right? No, and he's a, yeah. His expectation is first-time obedience and complete obedience, and that's what we're trying to show our kids as well. So when you see that little airplane and you have friends that post that and it comes to their story, it's not, be careful. Be careful of social media. It is, uh, I think it's incredibly damaging to parenting. Go to your moms at your tables and your older moms. You can text any of us. I think it's, it's, it requires humility, right? To have 
um, it's way easier to just Google something or look at Instagram because you're like, oh, that kind of makes me feel good or like, that's manageable, yeah. I could do that. Um, but it, it, it uh, grates at our pride, right? To say like, I just am not sufficient as a mom and I really need help. Um, but that is the truth, we do. Um, and so just be humble and ask for help um, and the Lord blesses that. Um, we are running out of a little bit of time, but I want to ask a couple more questions. So, um, so we're just going to do a few more minutes. All right. Um, how about choices? Um, I know Tracy did talk about this a little bit about not giving your toddler a lot of choices, but um, and well, I guess you kind of answered that. But can you just kind of clarify, like? what age not to give them a choice, and what age to give them a choice, and what to give them a choice about. I mean, I want you all to be nice and fun, fun moms. Well, like things that are fun, you can give them choices. And like if you go get ice cream, you yes. can say like, do you want strawberry or do right. you want cotton candy? We're talking like, daily. Right. Daily patterns that your kid fights you for lunch, so you constantly give them the choice. And you think I'm helping them by giving them a choice every day at lunch. You're not. So lunch and clothes are probably lunch like and clothes. And too, so, but yeah. Your kid doesn't think, man, my mom has a whole pantry of stuff and a whole fridge of stuff, and she's really only giving me a choice between two things. Isn't that kind of my mom? They think, oh yeah, I just picked what I wanted. So they, they're not, even your closet, right? That's why I say you have a whole closet full of clothes, and you say, you want to wear the orange one or the blue one? Like, you just gave away all your power. You, you got to keep your power. But yeah. the clothes is huge. It we is. like lay it out the day before for whatever we're gonna especially do. Especially church. Yeah, especially church. Why are they so bad on Sunday? I don't know. They panic. You only fight on the way to church. Yeah. But yeah, so in pattern things, and I would say in those areas where you are wanting to make peace in your home, that's not gonna help you in the long run. Just teach them that you make the choice, and then as they get older, you're giving them more freedom. Does that help? Yep. Sounds good. Um, okay, so how about when other kids, when other people's children are misbehaving and they're bad examples to your own children, how do you handle that? Stay home, stay in a closet, don't go anywhere. <laughs> kids are bad. Um, everybody sins, right? These She's are joking. These are opportunities. <laughs> That's not good advice. Listen. Everything you do is an opportunity. I like how Megan used that word. It's an opportunity for you to change the, train their hearts. You are going to have different rules for your family than other people's families. So we'd say these are dots and rules, and maybe my kids wanted to change families sometimes. That's okay. They're back now. They like us now. Um, but yeah, it's an opportunity for you to train their hearts. Just Let me just tell you something. Those kids are not teaching your children to sin. Remember that and say to you over and over, your kids are born with that velociraptor heart. <laughs> and, and no kid is teaching them to sin. They sin all by themselves. Really good and really great at it. Something, and it's really important to give your kids the opportunity to be at other people's houses so you can actually see if your training is working. Because a lot of times when you're home in the safety of your own home, they really learn how to stay within those boundaries very well. But then when they're let out is really the real test, right? It's the real test of whether or not they've really taken that in and digested it and are able to apply it in a new 
in a new space. And so it's a great, I think sometimes it's, you're fearful going out as a mom with other people because you realize like, this is gonna be a lot of work. It's more work when you're getting together with other people's kids because usually the whole time you're there to try to have like mommy time together, but really you end up just disciplining your kids more. <laughs> that can be yeah, really that's disheartening. A, that's another good point. But it's so important. You're not actually going there to have mommy time with your friend. You're really going to just continue to be mothering in those in those situations. Hopefully there's some encouragement as you watch each other parent that I'm not alone in this and there's someone else battling alongside me. Um, but it's probably not going to be a time where you're having deep conversation, right? Especially when your kids are zero to five. So having right expectations in your own heart when you're going to people's houses yeah. is really important. And you're, you're setting them up for how to deal with hard things because sometimes, like, they're simple in their own right. But sometimes something sad will happen or, like, whatever. Some, yeah. Their kid's face gets scratched because one of the other kids was being mean. And so that's a really good opportunity for you not to be like, oh, we're never going over there again. You're um, so mean. Yeah, just, you just, poor thing. Right, but to respond and say like, you know what, that wasn't kind, um, but we're going to choose to love them anyway. And then not bashing on your kid's friends when you get in the car on the way home, like, oh, that was so, they were so mean today or whatever. My kids are really good at like, this person did this and this. And then we just stop it right when it happens and say, nope. We're not gonna talk poorly about them. We're gonna be thankful that we have friends, right? We're so thankful. Um, and I, my kids would say, why didn't they get in trouble? And I'm like, I'm sure they did when they got home, right? Just tell them. Yeah, believe the best. That's great, I love it. All right, I have one last question for you ladies. Um, it doesn't really have to do with parenting, but it does have to do with children. And I know that, um, all of you have dealt with the grief of a miscarriage, and so we kind of were hoping that maybe you could give us just some counsel in dealing with that pain, and um, maybe even tell us what was helpful for you and what wasn't helpful for you. So could you just share a few things with us? I'll, I'll go. Um, I have had four. So we're not really up here to tell you our personal experiences, but um, I had four kids. I had adopted two, surprisingly got pregnant, and had an easy, great pregnancy. Honestly, I was so good at it, I don't know why I couldn't do it again. Um, it was really easy for me. He was born in six hours, and then um, went to adopt Danielle, and got pregnant, and since Danielle lost four, Tracy and I lost one around the same time. So in a matter of five years, I had four. And I'll tell you what, what was helpful to me is that studying who God is always and the attributes of God. And God is sovereign in that. And yes, they were difficult. I had um, one early, which was I would call a normal miscarriage, and then three were at about 10 and a half weeks. Um, two, I had already seen the heartbeats. So it was hard, but I think knowing who God is and God's sovereignty and, you know, God has our days numbered just like he has our babies numbered. I, I think it's a matter of, for me, of submitting to the Lord and his will in my life and what he had planned for my life. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think in any of the hard, really hard things that I've been through in my life, um, it was a process of the Lord saying, do you trust me? Uh, do you trust me with the things that you don't want to happen when they happen? And 
It was such a good exercise for my heart, for the Lord uh, to draw me back to himself and back to his word, just like Tracy was talking about. Not just in parenting your kids, but in every aspect of your life, you are trusting um, in God's word. That is your rock. That is what you stand on because it's a firm foundation and it's not slippery. And so speaking truth, um, there's a woman, I don't even know who it is still that sent me flowers with Romans 15, 13. Um, and I have that up in one of my rooms now as just a reminder, because that was one of the solid rocks that I stood on was that verse um, and just having hope in the Lord and reminding myself of that when I felt like those days where it was hopeless or difficult. Um, and mine was about a month long because I didn't actually miscarry. I, there was no heartbeat at one of my appointments, but then I didn't actually miscarry the baby. Um, and it took like a whole month for the doctor to, to decide that I was actually going to end up having the DNC or not. So it was quite a long process of just my heart being really sad um, and just feeling the weight of having something inside me that wasn't alive anymore. And um, so that was a, it was a longer process than sometimes I feel like people might have. It was a little bit different in that way, but um, just trusting the Lord and that I feel like today I see a lot of moms on Instagram really having a hard time and grieving for so long over their miscarriages and carrying that as some kind of, I don't know if it's a badge or not a badge of honor, but just not allowing the Lord to heal that. And there can be healing for your heart. Um, you don't have to carry that around with you forever. Sure, it's going to pop up sometimes. I always think of October 21st. That's when my due date was for that baby. When it comes around, I always have that moment of like, huh, I have a 12-year-old right now. That's just so crazy. Um, but I don't allow that to be like a burden because I know that wasn't the Lord's plan, right? I again speak truth to my heart of the character of God and that his plans and his ways are so much better than mine. Um, and that um, he's in charge of that, not me, and just submitting to it. Yeah, I think that's the, the theme for um, all three of us. Um, so we had been trying to get pregnant for a while after we had our oldest, um, and we finally did. Um, and then at 19 weeks, um, we lost our son. It was sudden and frankly pretty terrible. Um, I had contractions and had to deliver and go to the hospital and all that. Um, and the one thing that everybody would ask is why? Why did that happen? Um, medically, what was the reason? Everybody wanted an explanation. Um, and guess what? There wasn't one. There was no answer. Uh, there was no medical reason to point to. Uh, the doctors just said, this is really rare, less than 1%, and um, we're really sorry. And um, I probably will never know why, um, and that's okay, um, because I know that that was God's plan for our family. Um, it was really hard, um, but I know that God is good. Um, and so to answer the how do we grieve and move past that, um, first, I just have to say being involved um, in a church is one of the biggest blessings because we were so cared for and um, we had meals brought to us and um, flowers and just we were very very well loved um, and we didn't feel well um, and then practically I think I took about a week and didn't do anything I was home um, and cried and journaled and cried and prayed and cried some more um, and I just kind of wrote everything down I had a little journal um, that someone had got for me and I wrote his whole story um, from beginning to end, um, and then I just prayed that God would give me peace um, beyond my understanding, because I, I didn't know why. 
um, and that I just would accept his plan and not hold on to this grievous event in my life um, as my identity or like I'm that lady that that happened to. Um, and so I just, I took all those things. Um, we had, you know, people had given us things for him. And so I donated all of the like clothes and things to Birth Choice. It's a local crisis pregnancy center. And just, I wanted to, I didn't want to have those um, anymore, but I gave them away. Um, and then I had like his beanie from the hospital and ultrasounds and those kind of things. And I put them in a special box. Um, and I have that box just on a shelf in my office. And now um, I just, I see it as a reminder of God's faithfulness to me. Um, he carried me through that. Um, and every so often I think about it. Um, we just had his four year um, in January. He was born in January. And so um, every January I get a little sad. Um, and then I just stop and I pray. And I thank God for what he did um, in my heart and um, in our family. And I actually ended up getting pregnant the next month um, with our three-year-old Penny. And she's just the best. I can't imagine our life without her. Um, but that was no promise, right? I didn't have a promise that like I would have another baby and it would be fine. Um, and so I think just like we've been talking about all day, that lesson was so filled um, with self-control. And the training that I had had from my parents who are believers um, was a blessing to me to be able to have those thoughts and take them captive and um, really practice the training that I have, have had. Um, and I didn't need to have another baby um, to be joyful because my joy is in the Lord um, and not in that baby. And that is what we can train our children in as we're disciplining them and training them. Uh, that they don't need things to be joyful. Um, they don't need to have their way um, to be happy. So. Thank you, ladies. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't have Stephanie, and not that one replaces another, but you can look back in your life and see sometimes why God would, does what he does, and sometimes you can't see that. And that's also okay. And that what Megan said is these are the foundations you are training your kids in young to accept authority and submission and God's will, especially in this blurry world you guys are living in. It's important for you that your kids develop strong foundations of who God is very young. And if you are struggling with miscarriage, talk to somebody. Do you want to end there? Can I? I forgot I was supposed to talk about idolatry at this one. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think is that okay? Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of times our response as parents, particularly with the miscarriage, or also in just parenting our kids, is that we've made our kids our idols, and we want to please them instead of pleasing the Lord, um, or we want them. We just want one, right? Or we think that we deserve this one, and that's when it comes down to saying, "Lord, not my will, but yours." Um, and I think oftentimes when we see ourselves not doing what the Lord asks us, we have to ask ourselves, have we made our children an idol? And I think it's the same thing when you have miscarried that. Have I made having this child an, an idol to my heart? Or am I willing to really just say, Lord, your will be done? Thank you, ladies. Thank you for being transparent. Can you thank the ladies on the panel?